Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Four Corners. My name's Ben. I'm the lead pastor here. And on stage with me are some folks that just in the last few days returned with me from our work in India. And today you're in for a treat because you're going to get an update of what God's been doing because of your efforts and what he's been doing because of our partners in India in the lives of over 50 uh, orphans and a dozen or more pastors um, in Kerala, India. So um, welcome to the service today. I want to direct your attention before we get rolling to your message notes. They look like this. You can follow along on the front. It tells you about our upcoming night of worship. And on the inside, it's the kind of guiding verse for what we're going to do today, as well as just some information about the way we serve outside the walls here in our church. So if you're a guest with us, it's a great day to be with us because you get to hear the heartbeat of this place as it relates to what we believe God's called us to do. And you get to see mechanically some of the ways that we do it and as well as perhaps join with us in some of the things that God's doing. So our rallying verse today, before I introduce these guys to you, is found in the New Testament book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. There's a verse that really sums up what we're trying to do with outreach, that is work outside of our walls. James was the brother of Jesus, and if there was ever proof that Jesus was in fact somebody who was more than human, that he was in fact the Messiah, it's to have his own brother, James, look at him and go, you're not mm, a normal brother. You're really, like, you're the, and James believed that Jesus was the Messiah, gave his life to the work in the church, becomes a major leader in the church, and writes an epistle, this letter that we have in front of us, and in that, here's what he says, he says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that book's full of incredible amounts of wisdom about um, monitoring your tongue and being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. There's wisdom about how to even do ministry within the church. But here in this verse, he tells us that one of the things that grabs the heart of God, one of the things that proves that the relationship with God is real and not just words, is how we care for the most vulnerable in our societies, the orphan and the widow specifically here named. And for the last, going on almost a decade now, our church has partnered with one place, not the only place we partnered with, but with one place going on almost 10 years. We call it affectionately 4C India. And I've been there now twice, just got back this week. If I mess up today, it's going to be blamed on jet lag. I'm struggling just a little bit. Uh, I, these guys that are younger than me, I'm so jealous of how they just rebound. And uh, I don't know what, what that's all about. I'm going to call it age. I don't know what it is. And, and you too, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have rebounded and I, I'm, I'm struggling with it. But we, I visited twice and we've been working with them for a while. I want to give you, just for those that may not know, the background story. So here it is in about three minutes. So years ago, there was a prayer group that decided that instead of just praying together, they wanted to do work as well. So they heard about a program called Samaritan's Purse, led by Reverend Billy Graham's son, Franklin, that gets together shoeboxes at Christmas time to give around the world to orphans. This group got together and put together some shoeboxes, and the organization asks that you put a check in each one to facilitate the handling of the shoebox from where you are to where it needs to go. At the time, it was $5. So you may got the check to Samaritan's Purse, and this prayer group got together and did that, put their little checks in there and the gifts in the shoebox and sent it on. And all the way on the other side of the world in Kerala, India, in the north part of that state called Kerala, there was a pastor who had committed himself to serving in the hometown area where he grew up. 
He has two earned master's degrees and opportunities to teach in a seminary, but decided he wanted to be a local pastor. And so he picked up some property and built a two-room little uh, a house on that property. And as a function of just doing ministry in that area, there were orphan needs all around. And he took in a couple of kids to just care for because that's what pastors in that area do. And he heard about the Samaritan's Purse Ministry, and he decided to go down and see if he could pick up a few boxes, and they gave him a couple of boxes for these young girls that he had taken into his home. And when they got home and opened the boxes, they discovered that inadvertently one of those checks written for the processing of the shoebox had not been pulled out as is customary. It's very rare for a check not to be pulled out, and the home address and the name of who that check was from was right there, and so he wrote a letter to that family and said, thank you so much for your gift. There's nothing we can do. That family was here in Westchester. A gentleman in our church named Charlie McCurry's wife was a part of that original small prayer group. They were the ones that sent that box. And James began to communicate, Pastor James began to communicate with that group. And their support for him grew to include sending clothes and some other money and funds. And one day, Charlie sat down with me and said, I want to explain to you how I give my money which is an interesting conversation to have with the pastor. Why does somebody give anyway, and how do they give, and why do they give the way they give? And so we sat down at Panera, and he said, Four Corners doesn't get all of my money. It gets a lot of my money, but it doesn't get all of it. Some of it goes to this place in India where God's just doing remarkable things. And as he was talking, I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's rare for me to be that direct with that kind of language, but I did. And I felt God say to me, lean in and pay attention. There's something for you here. By the end of that conversation... We had committed that that year our church would come alongside Charlie and these ladies as they prayed and gave, and we'd partner with them in some, some way to help this uh, pastor, help this guy who was caring for orphan and orphans. And we, we found out that what their biggest need was is that the ministry had grown and they didn't have a facility. And we didn't have a facility either. either we had been a, a temporary, uh, we'd been meeting in temporary facilities at the Ray Theater, at high school, at a borrowed church building, and We didn't even have a building of our own. We weren't in this space. And we decided that that year, the very first engagement we would do with them is we would build them a church building on that property. And we raised $10,000. Before we ever had a church home, we sent that money to James, and they built a church building. It's impressive what God has done with those humble beginnings. And now there's over um, 50 orphans that are cared for monthly by people, mostly in this church. The campus has grown dramatically. You're going to see some pictures here in a minute. Um, There's work on a boy's home that has begun. You guys have been a part of that as well. And uh, there are a few dozen pastors in the region where James is and primarily north of there where the gospel is going out. And in India, the gospel goes out, but it goes out at the same time while serving the needs of the impoverished in the area. It's a very different world than the world that we live in. That's how our work began. And for now almost 10 years, nine years plus, we've been working with them uh, doing all kinds of things. And uh, these guys had an opportunity to go with me um, to visit our space there. And uh, interestingly, uh, I don't know if you've ever paid attention much to world geography, but there are things in other parts of the world called monsoons. Have you heard about this? Well, that's what's going on in Kerala. If I ever go again, I will not go during the monsoons. Uh, We had all kinds of plans. Our plans got diverted because the rains got really, really ugly, actually, and we were never, I guess, unsafe. I'm assuming we weren't. Uh, we never felt unsafe. If we were, we were somewhat ignorant of it. And uh, 
but things got really kind of rough and hairy down there. But we wanted to show you some pictures. So, Will, I, would you mind to walk us through a handful of pictures? And uh, if the guys get ready for that, let me introduce who we have up here on stage with me. This is uh, Jeff Wheatley. He's mar married to Carol, and they've been in our church. Jeff, how long have you been with us? Three years. Yeah, three years, and um, just really have plugged in and become deep encouragers of the team here, and um, really excited you're able to go. You guys know uh, Pastor Joseph, who, who filled in for me two weeks ago. Just a phenomenal job, by the way. Ended with seven baptisms. Just a great, great work. And uh, last week when we were gone, uh, your frat buddy, uh, Josh, uh, <laughs> who was our new kids pastor, Boy, if you were here, Josh just did a phenomenal job. Just a home run on identifying. Um, yeah, it's okay to clap for that. Yeah. yeah. Just I'm in India halfway around the world watching going, go, man, go, go. It was just awesome to watch. And you guys know Pastor Will who leads us in worship. Most of you know Bubba, uh, Bruce Heron. And this was my son, uh, Max. Max got to go with us. And my son, John Ryan, went as well. And he didn't want to be on stage because it meant giving up his serving role on Sunday morning. And he wanted to serve where he normally serves. So th this is the group that went. But Will, we had some cool experiences, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. We have some photos. And uh, as they're, they're scrolling, it's a little hard to describe each photo as they come. Uh, because when you're in a location and you're in a spot that's completely different, photos don't do it justice. But what you're going to begin to see is, is some of the photos that include mudslides from the rain. That uh, for us, the highway, you know, I, I take 75 here uh, to where we're going. It's, it's just different. There in India, there's, there's one main road as you go from the campus to the market to other churches, and those main roads, when they get blocked, it pretty much shuts down all traffic. And when we were there, part of our plan was to begin to partner and talk with some of the pastors that were there. But because of these, uh, these rains, a lot of those plans begin to change. And as you see, we're having uh, lunch here on site. Pastor James is on the right, and eating in India is, is a little different. We basically ate the entire time. <laughs> we had great food. Pastor James was a great host. And as you're seeing, there was a, we had a service where we met six of the brand new girls that were added to the orphanage just this year. And part of the custom at India is a great welcoming party. And we, we worshiped together. We sang some songs together. But they wanted to make sure that we recognized their appreciation for us. As you see, they're giving us gifts, and we brought gifts as well. We brought, just so you know, we brought a lot of candy. <laughs> we brought uh, Frisbees. We brought bracelets. We brought bags. We brought notebooks. And part of that introduction of, of getting, to new, getting to know our new sisters and brothers in Christ is always bringing gifts and bringing items that we can pass along. <laughs> There's kind of a cool, there's a nice selfie. <laughs> selfie there. But as these photos are scrolling, right here is the campus. And it's just, it's hard to describe. It's beautiful. As you come in, you go down a small hill, and that's where the, the church is that, that, that 4C built just a few years ago. As you continue to go down the hill, you'll see Pastor James' house. You go down even a more hill, and up is where the girls' orphanage is and again, it's through photos we can begin to start to see just a small portion. Right here, uh, Pastor Ben and James in the right corner are overlooking and on top of the boys' home. A few years ago, we sent a large amount of money to begin the process of building this home. And we're starting again now to see the progress that's been made. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's a little hint of some of the, the 
area that you saw, the photo started with some mudslides about three miles away from the campus. Uh, James took us up on a hill, and uh, just a few days before we arrived, there was a mudslide as a result of the monsoons, and 14 people were killed uh, right there um, just a few miles from the campus. Um, the, the whole side just gave way in houses, and we walked up on this rubble, and um, I was just impressed by the overwhelming need of the area. Um, they are, by Indian standards, um, it's a wonderful area, it's a resort area, but by our standards, it's impoverished. And um, interestingly enough, just a few days after we left, there were news reports that right on that same spot, there were additional mudslides. And I thought a couple of th things, you know, one is we stood right there, that's a little scary. But the other thought is, is that uh, the Lord's work in that area is great. And it's a, it's a real joy to have somebody like Pastor James to partner with uh, somebody who knows the area, who's deeply connected relationally. And um, we had plans to visit pastors in the north and hold a service with them. We just simply couldn't get there. The roads were blocked. We tried for almost three hours taking side roads and back roads, and uh, we started seeing water coming off the hills, and we're climbing a 2,000-foot mountain on these uh, kind of switchbacks. And the water coming across the road at first is clear, which is awesome. But by the time we got to the top, the water coming across the road was muddy, which means there's a lot of movement in the, um, in the, in the, in the ground there. And so it's just got a little nerve-wracking. We, we were fine. We didn't, we didn't know any better. Um, but James was very curious. So we had to cancel our services, and he told his pastors, go home. Don't, don't come out. Don't come out. We had, we had services scheduled on the campus with the girls and other pastors in the southern part of his ministry area. And we canceled that as well. And uh, what that felt at first like was a big disappointment. But what it became was an opportunity to go deeper with Pastor James and our relationship with him. We spent hours in the car with him just talking about his region and the ministry there. And we got to spend a lot of time with the young ladies. And that's really what I wanted to hear from you guys. So um, you got to spend a handful of days in India. First of all, how was the food? Somebody want to take this one? Joseph, you want to talk about the food for a second? <laughs> Uh, the food was fantastic, um, but you never stop eating, like all day, every day, what, three-hour meals, and then you have coffee and tea, and then you have another meal for three hours, and then you have coffee and tea, and then you have another meal for three hours, and then you go home and just pray you're not going to have to eat again the next day. Um, but you do because it's fantastic, and they work really hard to prepare it for us. Yeah, and it's not like this is normal. This was their way of saying to us, you are honored guests, and we value you. And so they brought out the best that they had. It's incredibly humbling. Um, and at each meal we sat down, James wanted and used as many words as he could find to express his love and appreciation for the work that you guys have made possible there. Uh, on more than one occasion, he said, if it weren't for Four Corners, we don't know what would have happened. If it weren't for Four Corners, we wouldn't be able to serve these orphans. If it weren't for Four Corners, the campus wouldn't look the way it looks. Um, it was just incredibly humbling to sit there and know the effort and time they put into making our visit feel special, but also the value they hold in their hearts for what we do. So, Joseph, let me ask you, you've got the mic. As you went to India, and had those experiences there. Give me some of your first impressions. What were your thoughts? Um, yeah, it was, it was amazing uh, being with Pastor James, seeing how much he does with so little um, and the impact that he's making in the community there and, and, and with the pastors and with the, with the girls and the boys. Um, for me, I had, um, I had one moment, um, and, I, and I told Pastor Ben almost as soon as it happened, that I'm, just, I'm never going to be able to forget. Um, we were doing the service with the girls, and um, Pastor Will um, was kind enough to bring a guitar. 
Um, he carried it with him everywhere he went. We asked him to play on the uh, plane and in the trains, but he, he wouldn't do that. Um, but he did play there. And one of the things I love about Pastor Will is the way that he leads worship right here is the way he leads with five people in a room by himself. Like he loves to lead worship and praise God. It's just the man that he is. And so he's leading with these girls. And um, I forget the name of the song, but I remember the chorus is going, uh, God, you are greater. God, you are stronger. God, you are higher than any other. And, and while we're singing that song, these girls are singing as loud as they can because they truly mean those words with all the flooding going on, with the, the impoverished area that it is, that they're living in you know, dirt floors. They have next to nothing what we would consider. Um, in that moment, I really felt like God asked me, do you believe these words? Because these girls believe that I'm greater, that I'm stronger, that I'm higher than anything they go up against. And you're stressed about your kids, you're stressed about your home, you're stressed about all the things that you got to do when you get back. Like, do you really believe that I am a great and mighty, powerful God? Because these girls right here get it, and you need to get it. And um, I don't know, like, that was, that was huge. Like, that was so huge for me to have that moment. Yeah, you look around the, the campus, and you look around the community. For instance, we drive from the airport to the campus. It's just over an hour away, and we pass. This is not an exaggeration. 138 mosques. And the reason we passed 138 mosques in the hour and a half drive is because um, Islam has moved dramatically into the area um, and, and made major inroads. And uh, less than 1% of Kerala in the north is Christian now. Historically, it was much higher. And um, in, in Islam, you have to be able to go to the way it's practiced in that region. You go to the mosque every day, and most people don't have cars, so they put them within walking distance every few hundred feet. And uh, that's the reality of where they are. And so as we're passing by, James is like, there's that, there's this, there's that. And then we would pass a Christian church. And he would say, that church used to be great. Now there's a handful of people there. And the work there is just struggling. And for me, I would feel overwhelmed, but not them. They have a dependence on the power and the love and the grace and the work of God and the move of the Holy Spirit. And... Um, we were on the campus, and we walked by the baptistry that we helped a few years ago build. We helped pay for that. And over 200 people have been baptized in that baptistry that we built. And he said, this is where the work of God takes place. And uh, you guys are all a big part of that. Jeff, what, what stuck with you as, um, you know, you think about your time in India? What are, you, what are you bringing back with you? Well, one of the uh, experiences that I, you know, was really not prepared for it. Didn't you? you know, I went with Pastor, he asked me to go, and I said, yeah, it's a great opportunity, so I went there. And I didn't quite understand when, uh, when you talk about poverty. I've never experienced that in my life. Uh, and I've, I've dealt with a little bit in my childhood, but nothing compared to that. But what really uh, spoke to my heart is that there was a construction paper uh, that they handed us. And at first I opened it up, and it was a drawing, and then all their names were on it. And then I happened to look at it a second time, and it says, Dear Uncle Jeff. So I went over there with three nieces. Now I have over 40 nieces. And, uh, and when one of the girls stepped forward to uh, speak, and it was Pastor James's daughter that was interpreting, she was looking in every one of her eyes, and you could tell by the sincerity. She says, Every morning we pray for all of you at 4C and thank God for you that you're in our lives. And you could just tell the, the sincerity in her heart and the conviction and the expectation that they are anticipating results from their prayers. This is not a ritual to them. This is not something they do. Oh, it's a morning. We got to pray for these people somewhere. They actually looked at us in our eyes and said, 
we are praying for you every morning. And it just, I had to fight back tears. It was just so sincere and so overwhelming that you saw a group of girls, probably from the time they were born until they met Pastor James that had absolutely zero hope in their lives. And now since they've had their encounter with Pastor James and the, and the uh, work and support that we've done, these girls are so full of hope. Uh, they, they would probably come over here and think we're poor. I mean, they just are so full of the love of God, just so on fire. And we're just expecting great things coming out of them as they continue to mature and have an impact on that region. These girls are phenomenal. Yeah, they begin their day at 5 a.m. They get up, and the first thing they do is they pray. And uh, they pray for us. It's a, it's a real deal. And uh, they're grateful. They, uh, they believe that God has uniquely partnered our church with the work there. And uh, they count it a privilege. It's not a chore, as Jeff said. Uh, Will, you, this is your second trip. Um, what sticks with you? Yeah, th it was it, it was awesome to just to be there. Um, and there was a few moments. Um, the phrase that kind of kept coming back is a phrase that we say a lot, that the church is the hope of the world. We believe that the church, so two or more people, not just this building, not just this, uh, this place or Four Corners specifically, but that the church is the hope of the world. And, and Jeff said it. When we're there, the pastors, the boys... The girls, they have a deep hope that's found only in Jesus. And we're singing a song, a song that we sing here, It Is Well. And uh, I've got these guys as my backup singers. <laughs> and uh, so they're doing the repeat part. And uh, it's a little out of pitch, but that's okay. And we're, <laughs> and we're singing uh, in, in, the, in a phrase, it is well, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Kept singing, and the girls are joining in with us. And it's just a reminder that it's well with them. And, and, and we look, and we say, hey, you were abandoned. There's a girl there who was, her mom was going to give her up for 25 U.S. dollars. And James said, hey, come stay here. Uh, there's girls whose parents have completely given up hope, and they just said, hey, go find your own way. There's girls on the campus who have uh, been sexually abused. There's boys who are put into work camps. And the truth is that they do have a hope, and it's not found in money. It's not found in security. It's not found in a big home in the best neighborhood, the best car, the career. It's not found in that. Their hope is found in something completely secure, and it's Jesus Christ. And every time we're there, there's a fresh reminder that my hope as a human being in the United States, that my hope needs to be found in Jesus. And so that, that, that was the realest part for me, I think. That's really cool. So, Bob, you, uh, you've been involved with India from day one with us. Um, you've been a big proponent. Uh, you've helped raise money. Um, you've been on the front line, one of the first sponsors. So you got to go. So what, what do you bring home with you from your time in, in, in India? It was really impressive to see what our money has done. I'm the doubter guy saying, yeah, okay, we're, but to see the house, the church, the halls, the homes, and uh, the bedding that we bought, and uh, just the, the whole ball of wax, it's, um, makes you want to give probably even a little bit more because you know it's it's been well worth it yeah um we, the girls are just uh pastor james treats them like great ladies 
and they respect him and they all work. They're uh, feeding the dogs and the chickens and everything that's in the complex. Um, they say the prayers for us and they know about us. Uh, it was it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty warm feeling when uh, they were talking about me and all the girls started singing Jingle Bells. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, they knew you played they, Santa Claus. They Glock. knew that I played Santa, and yeah. uh, so having the, I think at the time, 30-some girls there singing Jingle Bells to me was like, uh, that was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, they know what we're doing, and uh, the impact we have them are, wow. Yeah. And it, it was also encouraging that all of the girls were, most of them were in high school age or just starting college, we're all wanting to become nurses and teachers and all of a, a professional type uh, duty. And they all study and uh, all go to uh, their college and um, they're all gonna make it and they're all going to do a great impact for the girls to follow, like the six new girls. It was impressive to see uh, Josie, Joycey, Joycey, you know, taking the little a girl named Angel, who had just joined the uh, thing, and making sure she's taken care of and follow the rules and all that stuff. So it's a well-disciplined, well-oiled run machine. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, this past Christmas we raised money to help replace uh, a roof that needed replaced. It's about done, almost complete. So we're looking at this space, and James just pointing, and you guys paid for that and you paid for this, and then we went into the girls' dorm, something we don't do that often, with actually, and there were the beds that a few years ago you guys bought the mattresses for, and um, everywhere we looked, and I thought, <clears throat> I don't have the heart to even think through this deeply, but it's just a few percentage points that, of, of our total income. I mean, it's just a few percentage points that goes there. It's significant, but it's so much more significant to them than it costs us. I mean, the scale is, it's just, it's not comparable. How little sacrifice it actually took for our church to do what we did. Um, you know, some people gave dramatic amounts of money over the last 10 years, and um, it's incredible that, that they did. But most of us gave a few hundred bucks or a few tens of dollars here and there. But when it gets to India, under the hands of a very skillful and uh, wise steward, the impact is just dramatic, um, what they've been able to do with that. And you saw the one picture with Pastor James and I standing on what is the roof of the first floor of the boys' home. And um, it's impressive what's going to be done in that place. And um, I'm just blown away. Max, it was uh, your second trip as well. What stuck with you this time as you think about India? Um, I would say two things impressed me. Um, one, just being the stewardship of Pastor James, just how little he's able to to um, take and then how big he can, you know, go with it. Just huge. I mean, it's really, really impressive what he's been able to do. And then also um, kind of like what uh, Jeff was saying about how um, just how inspiring it is to see how people who their lives are very, very difficult can still go after God just so faithfully and so disciplined. I mean, it really, really taught me how, um, you know, whenever I complain or I think that, you know, the walk with Christ is difficult or it's hard to do certain things just to look back at them and think, you know, this is what they're going through and yet they're able to do it just so disciplined and faithfully. It's really, really inspiring. That's so. cool. That's really cool. 
for me, one of the uh, most special moments was we had a chance to pray for the girls. And so I got a chance to talk to them about the power of prayer. And then James asked us to pray for them. So we broke into groups and two at a time went around and um, prayed for these young ladies and just trying to discern how do you, how do you pray for them? You know what? So I just found myself asking God to do his full work in their lives, to bless them. They, they all are looking forward like young ladies might do even here towards a spouse. And so asking God to provide for them a spouse and, um, and to give them opportunities to serve him. It was just a real privilege to be able to do that. What we wanted to do was to give you guys an impression of just how important the work has been. I mean, you might walk past the wall in the hallway, and it may or may not be meaningful to you, the wall, what we call the India wall just outside the door, but I encourage you to just pause and look at some of those pictures. Those are from a few years ago. Those will get updated here relatively soon, and I don't know if you think about how important the work is or not, but James made it emphatically clear that um, they depend on us in a good way. Um, they depend on the Lord, but they depend on us. And he's just blown away that God would use a group of people. And when we left this time, um, it was clear to him, uh, and it was, he made it clear to us that there was something special about the relationship. And so he renewed his desire, expressed his desire to come here. We talked about the obstacles that he's faced in getting here with the government, but how we might be able to work around some of those things and so they're going to try again, and I'd ask you to pray for that. They're going to try again to bring their family here, he and his wife and two daughters. And uh, we're going to do our best to help make that happen. We can't guarantee anything, but we're going to do our best to make that happen. He has a strong desire to meet you and uh, to thank you personally for the work that you've done. It would be my desire that every one of you could spend the you know, 2200 bucks that it costs to go. And um, thank to each of you for the investment you made and paying for your trips to go. And it just means the world to me that you would do that. Truth is, we just can't do that. But we hope to, over the next few years, to invite more folks to go, especially as the campus gets more and more towards completion. And um, if you have a desire to do that, shoot me an email. I'll put you on a list. We'll start talking about what it'll look like potentially next year. I can assure you, it won't be during monsoons. I can assure you. <laughs> Last year I went and it was hot. It was 300 and something degrees, it felt like. And I'm going to tell you, between the rain and the hot, give me the heat any day, man. It, was, it never stopped. All right, I want to ask you something, guys. One more question. As you think about our church and our work there, what do you, if you had to put into one or two sentences, what do you want people here to know about the work in India? Like, what, what do you want to make sure that every person today leaves with understanding um, the work? If you can, try to put some words around that. Joseph, if you don't mind, would you, would you go first? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, I think I would say just um, to be grateful that we're at such a generous church, um, walking around, seeing what's being done there. Um, I love the fact, and I hope you do too, that we're a part of a church that's generous, um, but that's kingdom-minded, that we're not so focused on trying to build some incredible kingdom here in Westchester. We want to do things well here. We want to do it with excellence. But the amount of money that we give to India and the things that they're able to do and then to know that there are 40 to 50 kids that are growing up that um, are going to continue to make an impact for the kingdom there. Uh, it's just awesome to be a part of a generous church that says it's more about God's kingdom than our kingdom. That's good, Jess. Jeff, how about you? If, you? if you had one or two sentences to say to the congregation here, um, I want to make sure you get this about India. What would you say to us? 
Well, what I'd say when I was there, it was uh, pressed upon me, is that we really don't know who is among those girls. I mean, it, it could be the next Billy Graham. It could be the next mm -hmm. uh, Marilyn Hickey. It could be the next Joyce Meyer. We just don't know. But they have such a love and a commitment for the Lord and for us. And if we could just have all of you get some small glimpse of uh, whatever it is that uh, you're giving uh, to Pastor James, he's taken every penny of it and putting it to maximum use. Uh, this, as a person, that I, my dad would always say, you know, he could squeeze a dollar bill until the eagle squealed. And he just uh, <laughs> takes uh, such care of the money that we send him and puts it to such uh, great use. It's just, it's just amazing what he's able to do for, for the girls and everything. And it's all because of your generosity. And I just say, keep it up, keep it up. There's a lot more work that needs to be done. That's incredible. Well, Cool. I mean, this is better. Yeah, I think the two things. The first one is uh, you can't outgive God. Uh, the resources that we give are a fraction or a tip or a uh, small percentage maybe of what we make. But James uh, and the pastors and families that are impacted, uh, it's literally keeping them afloat. Uh, not just so that they have a next thing, but it's really allowing them to do ministry. And the second thing I'm reminded of is, is God's called Pastor James to do something extraordinary. He's called him to have an orphanage. He's called him to, um, to care for pastors. But he's also called you, and he's called me as well, to be a part of this thing that we call God's army. And I think I came back with a fresh awareness that God's called me to do something extraordinary too. Here's the truth. If you don't leave here with anything else, God's called you as well. It may not be in India, it may not be on the news, and it may not be on this stage talked about, but God's called you for something extraordinary. And I think it's about time we get on with that plan and start, and start living it. That's good. Bob, what would you say to our congregation? Uh, it's, we've been talking about Pastor James, but it's also uh, Miss Sarah, mm. his wife, and the, and the two daughters. They are, uh, the family is fantastic. And... Uh, the oldest daughter, I guess she must be 22 or something like that. Well, all the girls have confidence in her, and uh, all the girls want to be the next, the next leaders. Yeah. And it's amazing how they take care of each other, and uh, they don't want to leave. And it's not because they really have it good. It's because they want to help the other little sisters and stuff in their flock area. Yeah. And... Uh, Disciplined, Miss Sarah. She has all the girls do the cooking with her, and uh, they cook their own meals and clean up, and everything's it's a well-oiled machine. It really is, and uh, it's amazing how little money can go a long way when you see them making their own blocks and bricks. And uh, unfortunately, right now the rainy season, so they couldn't do much of the concrete work right now, pouring much or making whatever, however they call it to do their concrete work because of the rain right now, but it's a, you can see they don't waste any penny. Yeah. So. Max, how about you? What would you say to our congregation? Um, initially, I would just say thank you for um, the sponsorships, for um, your prayers, um, and also um, just that it's, it's such an important work that it, it needs to continue. Um, like you were saying, we passed, you know, something like 140 mosques. Um, you know, the gospel is it is slowly growing, but in many ways, it's also dying in that area. So the work is very important, and it definitely needs to continue. So thank you for the support you guys have given, and um, just, yeah. 
Thank yeah. you. It's pretty cool. So a couple things about India. Um, there are people everywhere. Uh, two things I wasn't prepared for was the, the rain and then the fact that even though it was raining, there were still people everywhere. Um, and I was reminded of that scene in the New Testament where Jesus turns towards Jerusalem and he sees the crowd. And the Bible says that he has compassion on them. He had compassion on the people. That's an interesting word, compassion, because compassion tends in the New Testament to move people to act. When Jesus came upon two blind men at one point in the Gospel of Matthew, the Bible says he had compassion on them and moved with compassion, he healed them. And then in Mark's Gospel, Jesus, the Bible says, moved with compassion, he healed a, le a man with leprosy. And I thought that there are a lot of things that stir the feelings but compassion comes from the Lord, and it motivates one to act. It's love in action. And when I think about you and this church, I think about the love that you had. Many of you will never have a chance to lock eyes on these girls. Personally, you'll see pictures. But you have loved, and your love and your feelings turned into action. And uh, I want to echo what Will said. James is simply following the call of God on his life, and it made me ask deep questions. What is God's call on my life? And that's really the question I want to leave with you is, what do you think is God's call of impact on your life? Because I can assure you it is more than just your own comfort. It's more than just your own journey. And part of why God wants to grow you up to be a mature and healthy disciple is so you can get about your father's business instead of just being healthy with your own. That's part of the call of a local church to rally its resources, but it's the call of every disciple of Jesus to get after outreach and to get at the life that God has outside of your own. And um, I think that's where real joy is found. I think that for me, I walked away with a full heart. I walked away with a bigger vision because I'm very much aware that God isn't done with me and I'm very much aware he's not done with this church and I'm eager to get after it. Um, so what we're going to do right now is we're just going to pray for our work in India, but we're going to pray three different ways. I'm going to invite you to do that. So I've asked Jeff and Joseph and Will to lead us in three distinct prayers. One is I want us to pray in just a moment for the work in India and the protection from floods that are going on. It's a really, really ugly situation. In fact, I want you to turn your eyes to the screen and watch this CNN report from just yesterday about the flooding there in Kerala. Pay attention to this. They're being rescued by helicopter, by truck, by boat, and many are being carried to safety. The death toll keeps rising and tens of thousands of people have been displaced after unprecedented monsoon rains led to widespread flooding and landslides in the southern Indian state of Kerala. Authorities and residents alike try desperately to reach those stranded in the floodwaters. Weather experts are calling it the worst flood in almost a century. The water has gotten into both floors of our house. We went to our neighbor's place and stayed on the second floor of their house. All of our things have been destroyed by the water. They are destroyed. India's National Disaster Response Force has deployed 53 teams across the state. The country's Army, Navy, and Coast Guard have all been called in to help. Even local fishermen have been asked to assist. Over a thousand personnel from military and disaster authorities are now involved in the rescue mission. The Indian Navy shared dramatic video of a pregnant woman being rescued by helicopter. She later gave birth to a healthy baby boy. A reporter for CNN News 18 describes the flooding in one district. And as you can see behind me, this is the situation. This place is completely inundated. This entire town is underwater. 
flooded out roads and bridges, and railway shutdowns are hampering emergency efforts. Over 100,000 residents have sought shelter in relief camps. They are providing us with clothes and other things. We've been given clothes, cots, and blankets, as well as food. Monsoon rains are common at this time of year, but experts say these have been abnormally heavy. And with more rain expected in the coming days, the situation could go from bad to worse. Chad Myers, CNN. So when I was talking with Pastor James about the flooding, here's what he said. It's bad, but this will be an opportunity for the gospel to go forward. This will be an opportunity for God's people to rise up and do his work. And I thought that's how we're going to pray for them. So Jeff, if you don't mind, would you pray for the work, uh, for protection from, from floods and that sort of thing, and just for James's work? And then, Will, if you don't mind when he's done, would you pray for Pastor James and his leadership and the resources? And then, Joseph, if you don't mind, would you lead us in praying that our church would continue to have a servant's heart and that God would even give us a greater vision of the difference we can make in a broken and dying world? Would you do that? So, Jeff, go ahead. Dearly Father, we thank you for, first of all, who you are, and we thank you that you love each and every one of us, Lord God, and we just sit here in, in a very comfortable place here in Westchester, Ohio, and we look out and see our brothers and sisters just dealing with the uncertainty of this flood, Lord, and we're just praying your hedge of protection around our orphanage, first of all, and around each and every one of the girls that are there, and Pastor James and his family, Lord God, but we also pray for the, the other people there that may not even know you yet, because we know that you love them just as much as you love anyone else, Lord, and we're just praying that through what uh, Satan has meant to be harmful to this region, Lord, that you're going to be able to stand up strong and, and bring forth your goodness, Lord, and that the gospel is going to increase mightily when the works that we're done. We're just standing in the gap and believe that nothing is going to harm the work that we're doing and that everything is going to continue to remain safe and sound. In Jesus' name we pray. God, we thank you for James, for Sarah, for Ninu, for Nixa. Lord, we pray for protection for their family. We know this work is hard. Lord, I pray right now you'll encourage, you'll motivate, you'll continue to challenge James as he leads his family, but also a large ministry. Be with him as he guides the girls, the boys, the pastors. Give them great strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God, continue to be with our church. Um, continue to be with us as we just work to be the hands and feet um, of Christ. God, uh, to echo the words of Pastor Will, that, that we would walk away um, thinking about the impact that we can make. God, each and every one of us have been called to a great purpose. We've been called to something greater and higher than ourselves, um, greater than even just the building we're sitting in. We've been called to be the church, to be light in dark places. So God, for every man, every woman, every teenager that's represented in this church, God, we pray that you would use us to make an impact for your kingdom, that you would use us in our schools, you would use us in our workplaces, you would use us in our homes, God, to be servants, to be uh, the men and the women that you've called us to be. God, at the end of our lives, let it not be about um, the, the kingdom we built on earth. Let it be about the kingdom in heaven that we built and the people's lives that have been impacted because of your goodness, your love, and your grace through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, would you say thank you to these guys for their investment and their representation of our church? Thank you, guys. So the work you're doing is uh, pretty dramatic and uh, special. And I referenced that I had a thought about Jesus having compassion. There was a second thought that I had that James and I had a brief conversation about. I want to leave with you just as a parting thought. And it goes back to a story in our Old Testament. I was talking to James about all the people that I saw and how everybody had a story and how it could feel overwhelming. And he said, 
that it would be overwhelming. These are his words. It would be overwhelming if he didn't believe that the power of God was greater, that God had years ago opened up his, his eyes, not only to the challenges in front of him, but to the power of the Holy Spirit available to him to do the work. And that all he needed to do was be faithful where he was. And I was reminded of the Old Testament story of the prophet Elisha, who is in the middle of a, some political unrest between two different kingdoms. And uh, one servant person comes to the prophet and basically says, I want to have confidence that uh, the battle's going to go well. And uh, as the servant boy is talking to the prophet of God, he, they get surrounded by armies and the servant is just freaking out. Like it looks like it's going to be horrible. And then Elisha prays to God and says to God, God, would you open his eyes? Open his eyes. Let him see what's really going on. And when God opened the eyes of that little servant boy, what he saw wasn't just the physical armies that had surrounded the prophet's encampment, but he saw heavenly armies. He saw chariots of fire. He saw heavenly beings ready to go to war on the behalf of God's people. And what was said was this phrase. He said that he who is with us is greater than those that are with them. I don't know what you're facing in your life. I, I don't know. I don't know what you think about when you think about the tragedies in this world and the overwhelming needs that are always present, maybe in your own life or in your community or halfway around the world in a place like Kerala. But I know this, that the gospel is strong. Our God is big. And I think that sometimes what needs to happen is that he needs to open our eyes. He needs to open our eyes. I think when I get a chance to go to India, maybe bring a part of it back here, I'm hoping that just in a small way, you get to see how just powerful and awesome God is. And that encourages you just a bit. Why don't you do this right now? Why don't you grab out your connect card and let's take a few steps together. We're going to take these steps. We're going to give in our offering. We're going to pray together as a congregation. We're going to sing a song together about how big our God is. And it may feel like you and I are surrounded by circumstances and things and obstacles. But the truth is, is what we're surrounded by is the power and the love of God. And it's greater than anything that we can face. So next step A gives you a chance right now to say that today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. And if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, check that box with the pen that we provided. Put the card in the offering bucket in just a moment and let's pray and invite Jesus into your life. And say to God, God, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself, but I trust the work that your son Jesus did on the cross and in his resurrection to save me. Or perhaps next step B Today, choose to be baptized. A couple weeks ago, we baptized seven people out in our parking lot. It was a great day of celebration. When I shared that with James, he just rejoiced with us and um, just celebrated the fact that lives had moved from darkness to life and um, just how powerful our God is. Next step, see, here's one that I hope all of you will check. It says, I'll pray for Pastor James John and the work of church planting and orphan care in Kerala, India. And if you'll check that box, we'll send you some specific things that you can pray for. But when I ask James what's the biggest thing we can do, he doesn't say send money. That's what I would, might, would say. He says pray for us, that the work of the gospel would go forth in power from that ministry center that we've helped build. So would you pray for him? And then next step D says, hey, if you want to be put on the sponsor list to sponsor a child or one of the pastors, if you don't yet do that, you're welcome to. Remember, there's two primary ways we give. It's through sponsorships and then our Christmas and our Easter offering. And so if you want to be put on the sponsor list, we'll help you do that. And if you check the box, we'll send you that information and you can find out more about that. The next step, E, 
is about an event coming up around here in a few weeks. It's our food truck rally. It's our anniversary. We'll be going into our 14th year of ministry. It's going to be a great day. But it's an invitation for you to invite three of your friends to come have lunch with you on that day. We'll begin serving the food truck food after first service all the way through for second service and after second service. Um, it's going to be a great time of celebration and fun. And on our anniversary, we don't make it about us. We make it about our guests. We didn't start a church just for us. We started a church so we could invite our family and friends and they could experience all that God had for them. So on our anniversary, we focus on our guests, not on us. All right? For that to succeed, you've got to invite your friends. Why don't you put your Connect card aside? If you call this church home, it's your opportunity to be generous, to give back a portion of what God has blessed you with. This is as much an act of, of worship as anything else we do. When God's people get together and they acknowledge that God has given them more than they need to survive, they begin to ask questions, why? Like, God, why would you do that? Why would you bless me with more than I need? I'm gonna answer that for you. He does that in part so that you can help meet the needs of other people, like in this church. In your message notes, there's some language about how we do that. Take that home and read it. I think you'd be proud of what God does here in this place, but it only happens because you are faithful and generous. And I got to tell you, my heart was full walking around that campus thinking about the faces and the names and the stories of people who sacrificially give here and make it happen. And halfway around the world, literally, you can't go farther than Kerala till you start coming home again. Literally, the generosity of this place is alive and well on that campus. And I'm grateful for you. You make it happen. Let's pray about our next steps in our offering, and then let's worship our great God together. What do you say? Bow with me, please. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your greatness. God, I want to thank you that you're a God who's bigger than storms. You're a God who knows no boundary of geography. You're a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You're the God who still saves and redeems and restores. You're the God who gives big vision and dreams, and you're the God that brings the resources to make them happen. I'm grateful that in this place, God, people's lives have been touched by the gospel of Jesus. Their eternity has been changed. And they're now a part of a great army bringing the gospel literally around the world. Thank you for this privilege. God, I look forward to that day in eternity when we get a full picture of all that our work has done. We only have a hint of it now, but there's coming a day when we'll stand before you and we'll see exactly what you were able to accomplish through our obedience. I pray, Father, for each man and woman in this space, everybody listening on the internet, that whatever our big God needs to do, we'd be open to it. However our big God is calling and leading, we would follow. Wherever you're asking us to step up and serve and be gracious and kind in our own environments, in our own world, that we'd do that. I pray right now for the men and women who are declaring, Jesus, wash away my sins. I can't save myself. I trust only the work that Jesus has done on the cross and in his resurrection. And I lift up our brother, Pastor James. Got to continue to anoint him. Continue to empower him to be your servant. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, God's strong and holy son. Amen and amen.